The following message was given to the North Young Adult Group at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Moundsview, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church slash Young Adults. Uh, this is Moral Formation Part 2. Um, I'm really excited about this series. I've loved putting it together and just thinking through it. Um, so I'm looking forward to tonight. I have a bunch of points tonight. I don't have a landing scripture or anything, but <laughs> we're just going to devotionally walk through um, the renewal of the mind, um, hopefully in a devotional way, thinking about our lives. Uh, last uh, month, we unpacked um, in our introduction kind of a, our cultural view of morality right now. Um, we talked about how there's been a replacement of traditional values uh, with a new secular orthodoxy um, that our culture expects us to follow. And that if we don't follow this new uh, orthodoxy that's been put forward, then there's consequences. Um, there's, a, there's a shame, and um, yeah, we, we unpacked that. Um, and among young adults particularly, I think... What we're seeing is many young adults going to the university and leaving the university with a total shift in their uh, moral compass. And then I proceeded after that uh, to point out that the first two steps to pursuing moral formation were, uh, first of all, to know why you exist. Because um, the the way you act, if you're going to measure it, has to correspond with the purpose of, of your existence. And then after that, the starting point is to be born again and have the Spirit. So having your sins dealt with on the cross and having the Spirit given to you to reorient your mind and heart towards God is a necessary starting point in, in moral formation uh, as, a, as a Christian. And that was, the, that was uh, last, in a, in a nutshell, last month's lesson. And that brings us to uh, today... And our lesson's going to be on renewing the mind. I could have gone a lot, a lot of places, but this is where I'm going. Um, each one of you are on a trajectory or a path in your life uh, towards becoming a type of person. Okay, So, um, yeah, life is a trajectory, and you're being formed as you go. And each one of you are on a certain trajectory in a direction. And, and my appeal today will be uh, that we renew our mind day by day uh, through the Spirit. Um, moral formation is directly connected to your mind, your thinking, and your understanding. And your mind and your emotions are connected as well. Right? They, they go hand in hand. And how those go is how you act. Something like that. Right? And... So your mind, emotions, and actions are all connected. And the way the Bible talks about our mind is that you either have your mind opened by the Spirit and renewed day by day, or you become progressively more and more futile in your thinking, more and more darkened in your understanding. And that's kind of, that's kind of my main line of thought through this lesson. It'll be, you're either being renewed day by day by the Spirit, or you're being progressively um, more futile and darkened in your thinking and in your understanding. Yeah, that's the that's what I'm thinking about. So let me try to give an example. Uh, this first one might sound silly, but I think it might might give a window into what I mean. So let's say there's um 
there's a young guy, and he has never cheated on a quiz in school. Um, and there, there comes a time where the opportunity presents itself, and for some reason he, he goes for it, cheats on a quiz for the first time. He is immediately convicted. He feels terrible. It keeps him up at night, and he resolves that he will never do it again. But at the same time, no one caught him. And his report card doesn't look quite as bad, and it's kind of nice to not have the parents too upset at him. A week later, he plays Fortnite till midnight, doesn't study, and is faced with a similar scenario. He cheats again, telling himself, this is the last time, then I'll shape up. Again, he feels bad, um, and he resolves not to do it again, but he doesn't have trouble sleeping this time. Throughout the next months, he is faced with similar scenarios, and each time, he's left with more and more excuses. For example, he could think, well, I need a 2.0 GPA to stay on the sports team, or I'm a good influence on the guys. Or, I didn't study because I was hanging out with friends and building friendships. That was good. Um, well, there's that one Bible story where the person lies and they don't get in trouble. And so excuses start to accumulate. Time goes on, and this person finds himself habitually lying and cheating, not just in school, but in all areas of life. It becomes a habitual and justified pattern. Um, he has become progressively darkened in this area of his life. And uh, so that's one scenario. And I think this happens with any pattern in your life of, uh, in the area of morality. Um, you can cultivate patterns over a very slow period of time or over a long period of time. It can happen over one year, five years, 10 years, 15 years. What makes this difficult is that you have now cultivated a habit in your brain, a rut. You have, you have carved out tracks for your thinking, and these tracks have gotten deeper and deeper. And at this point in our, in our scenario here, um, this person will not naturally change. It's going to be, or instantly change, it's going to be a long road um, of renewing his mind to truthfulness and honesty and integrity. It doesn't just switch. So I could tell many other examples, but I think that's one um, that might, might capture it. So you're either being renewed day by day by the Spirit, or you're being progressively darkened um, and futile in your thinking and understanding. Um, in that scenario, I mean... Pornography, anger, fear, anxiety, pride, um, with all these things, uh, you can form, if you're not being renewed one way or, or towards Christ, um, you can form ruts the other way, and it becomes a progressive um, um, transformation one way or the other. Um, maybe some things to note. Um, if you're becoming darkened, some things to note. Um, your conscience becomes hardened towards whatever you're doing. Um, the guilt you feel becomes less. Um, another phrase for that is grieving the spirit, I think. Excuses accumulate. And the more you think a certain way or participate in a cer certain act, the more likely it is 
that that thought or action will become an ingrained part of you, an ingrained part of how you think, feel, act, react, and make decisions. Um, and the deeper you are, the harder it is to get out and to live, think, and feel differently. As the phrase goes, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Um, change and renewal is a slow process, one that happens day by day. So I have two texts here that might. Romans one twenty one. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts uh, were darkened. Three verses later, therefore, same line of thought, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth for a lie. So your thinking becomes progressively darkened, to which God gives you up to act in that way of thinking, the lusts of your heart. So futile thinking, darkened hearts, lusts take, lust take over, God is exchanged for lies. So back to the, the main point, you're either having your mind opened by the Spirit and renewed day by day, or you're becoming progressively more and more futile and darkened in your thinking and understanding. And your actions follow. So, what I want to walk through today is what might it look like, and just to encourage us through the scripture to renew our mind day by day. And that's what we're going to go through. So, um, my first point, I think I have uh, four or five, is you need to have your mind opened by God, by the Spirit. We kind of covered that last week, but this is a continual thing, having your mind opened um, by the Spirit. So, in Luke 24, 45, Jesus He's unpacking the scriptures, and he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And then this one, from 1 Corinthians 2.14. Um, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. So you need this. Um, the spiritual person, as opposed to this person, judges all things, but is, is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So the first thing that needs to happen is we need our minds opened um, by God to be able um, to understand spiritually the things of God, right? No one says Jesus is Lord except in the Spirit, right? So this is how it begins. And so the first step, I think, is just praying for the Spirit's work and trusting in his promises and putting ourselves in the path of, of his blessings and, um, and trusting him that he'll do the work of opening the minds. I mean, this is faith, right? We put our faith in the work of God. And that's the first thing. Um, Paul says, I worked harder than any of them, but it was not I, it was, it was him in me. Right? So he's doing the work. So from the, from the very start of our Christian life, from being born again to having our minds open, is the work of God. He's sovereign over the whole thing. 
If you begin with a, we talked about this last time, if you begin with, a, with an emphasis on, I gotta work, I gotta, I gotta labor, I gotta achieve, I gotta, um, without this dependence on, um, on Christ and um, the pardon of sins at the cross, um, you can stray and you're, you'll pursue morality in the wrong way. So that's point number one. Have your minds opened by God. Number two, you got to renew your mind. Right? Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, here's the result, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So to be able to discern, you got to renew your mind. Right, so that's the, that's the first step. Uh, the next step is to renew your mind. You are naturally depraved and naturally darkened, and once the Spirit has worked, it is time to begin renewing your mind. Instead of conforming to the world, to the flesh, and to sin, start being conformed in your mind to the image of Christ by renewing your mind. And as you renew your mind, you'll be able to discern the will of God for your life. And one way you do this is Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Um, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's anything excellent, any, anything, any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. And so what I mean here is you want to orient your mind towards the principles and virtues that are laid out in the scriptures. Um, if you do not think on these things, on the right things, you will think about what is false, what is dishonorable, what is unjust, what is impure, what is ugly, what is uncommendable, what is imperfect, and what is worthy of nothing. And when your mind lives in those things, you will get sucked into that spiral and the more sucked in you get, you will start to act in correspondence with those thoughts. And so goes the spiral. If you are scared about something in your life, you might be meditating on things wrongly. If you are struggling with lust, to, an ex to whatever extent, your mind might be meditating on lustful things too much. If you are anxious, you might be dwelling on anxious thoughts. The more you live there, the more in your mind, body, and emotions will stay there, and the more you will act in correspondence with those things. Which I think is one reason why um, Paul exhorts us this way. Um, so maybe a quick, I haven't told too much of my testimony, but um, when I was 16 or 17, I was... Uh, struggling pretty intensely. I hadn't been following God and was struggling really intensely with spiritual depression. Um, was pretty convinced, ultimately, that I committed the sin of Esau. There was no forgiveness of me, though I could seek it with, with tears. That was, I was fully convinced of that because of how I felt. Um, and so I, I didn't really know what to do, but I happened to work at a pizza shop where I rolled pizzas. It took about an hour every day, and I listened to a, a John Piper sermon every day for about uh, a year and a half and um, every weekday and that's um, that's 
uh, was a huge, significant growth period in my life. And how I would describe it is um, the wires in my brain started to become untangled and, and plugged into the right places, into the right principles, virtues, doctrines. Um, and as a result, uh, obedience and right emotions started to, um, to correspond with my right thinking. Uh, it took a, took a significant amount of time to, to really notice the growth, um, but that's what happened during that period. Um, uh, so your minds, our minds, need to be continually rewired and untangled by the Word of God, and it takes time. Um, I don't know if we should think of it as like having a struggle and then expecting some immediate fix uh, by running to a verse and expect never to struggle again, even if it worked. Um, I think our expectation would be go to the Bible on a topic 500 times day by day so that it becomes ingrained, instinctive, and believed in your mind. Transformation is a lifestyle of being renewed every day. Uh, wisdom comes by constantly investing in it. Constantly investing in it. So that's in the mind. So thinking on what is right and what is true, all these things, and not thinking on what is false or impure or not worthy of grace, being transformed that way with the word is the guide. Number three, put off and put on. And I'm using the language from Ephesians 4. Um, let me just help us out here. There are two people, the Gentiles and those who learned Christ. Um, don't walk like the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alien, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardness of heart. Um, they've become callous. You see the language? They've become callous, hard, and have given themselves up. They've given themselves up to these things, sensuality, greed, and to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way you learned Christ. So here's the second group. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught. So how did you learn him? As the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, number one. Put it off, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And number two, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. There it is again. And to put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we've covered this, renewing the mind. Now there's another way to fight, and that is um, to put off old ways of acting and to put on new ways of acting. Um, it is time for us in the power of the Spirit to begin putting off those things which begin which belong to the former manner of life, and to put on new things. Now notice manner of life. I'm emphasizing day by day, right? There's a, you all have a manner about you. We all have a manner about us. So put away that, those things which belong to the old manner of life, and put on the new self, 
created in the in the um, after the likeness of God in righteousness and in holiness. Start dressing yourself with different habits, and as you do this more and more, you will begin to be transformed into the image of Christ. You will start to form ruts in the right direction. He leads us in paths of righteousness. You will begin to gain victory over sins that are defeated at the cross. And you will experience the blessings of obeying God, as Psalm 1 says. So, for example, if you struggle with lying, let's say you have a, a habitual lying problem. Think on what is true. Have a promise that corresponds with that. And when the opportunity to lie presents itself, put off lying and put on telling the truth. When you do this, one time, you have taken a step towards a manner of, li of living and a step towards a renewed mind. And the more of these steps you take, the more you will find your mind renewed and oriented towards honesty. And so, so it is with every sin. If you struggle with, let's say, um, bitterness or anger um, towards somebody, maybe think about how Christ was treated and how he handled it. And take a step, however big or small, towards treating that person like Christ would. Um, some other ways to put this is take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. That first. And then present your members as instruments for righteousness. And again, don't expect your habits to be immediately changed. Take a hundred steps, however big, however small, towards righteousness and holiness. It's a process. Right, so that's number three. Number four, seek wisdom. And uh, this has probably been on my mind more than anything um, in my life in the past uh, year. So I can talk about this for a long time, but I'm going to go till time's up and then I'll stop. Um, in, in your life, you are faced with a host of decisions. I tried to look up how many decisions the average person makes in a day. And some, some sources say over 700, and some say 35,000. So I'm not sure, but it's at least over 700. <laughs> and there's not a biblical command for every one of the decisions that, that you have to make every day. There's a lot of them. What college to go to, um, which girl or guy to date, what church to go to, how do you spend your free time, um, are you going to use credit cards or not use credit cards, uh, and so many more. Lots of decisions. And this is a stage of life, so I'm, I'm bringing it to young adults now, where it's time um, for, for you, for us, to start making these decisions on our own, which is good and natural, right? Uh, what's hard is for a lot of people in this stage is, for so long, so many of these decisions have been created for you by your teachers, your parents, your, you know, whatever system you're in. Um, but now you're an adult, and you're coming out of that, and now you're, you have to form um, your boundaries, right? You have to form how, you, how you're going to live, um, which is why it's a perfect stage for people to go off to college and completely shift, right? It's because now you're starting to form your own convictions, um, um, 
So for some, for some young adults, this is super scary. For some, I mean, um, maybe you've been given more freedom go, going up. It's not as scary. But regardless, this is where we're at in life, and it's time to start na navigating these waters. Um, to do this, you're going to need more than imperatives. So the Bible has imperatives, right? Don't murder. That's it's kind of right there. Um, but you're going to need more than imperatives. What you're going to need is good, is godly biblical wisdom. Wisdom to navigate this stage of life. Um, what you're going to find is that there are so many scenarios where you're just like, I have no clue what to do here, what the right choice is. Um, and it's in scenarios like these where you're going to feel really deeply, I want wisdom, right? I really want wisdom. I think young adults feel this the most, probably in dating. I can think of some other scenarios, but I think that's when we start to feel it pretty heavily. Um, wisdom, I mean, this has just been ringing in my head recently. Um, wisdom is so valuable. Proverbs 8, take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. So, I'm, my next point here is to pursue wisdom, uh, godly wisdom. I think of Solomon in the uh, story uh, where the, the two ladies come to him with a, a baby, and he exercises wisdom. And the 1 Kings 3.28, all of Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king, because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. So I'm going to walk through a couple points on wisdom, because um, I think this is really significant. Because your, the decisions you make, the, the boundaries you draw, the life you live is going to be based on your, your, your godly wisdom. So pursuing wisdom. Number one, fear God. Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 3-8. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So the first step to wisdom is to fear God. Um, if you don't fear God, you're going to be wise in your own eyes. Right? Don't do that. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Your, your own eyes will, will fool you to evil. Um, but the Lord, the fear of the Lord, will heal your flesh and refresh your bones. It's a great promise. Number two, if you want wisdom, ask God for wisdom. James 1, 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, you ever felt that? Have you ever, you ever just felt stumped with a decision? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So fear the Lord, and then go to the Lord and ask him for wisdom. Ask him for wisdom. He says that he'll give wisdom. Um, and so, this is probably one of my top 
easily one of my top five prayers this year. Wisdom starts with God. Go to him. And then number three, live in the word of God. Live in the word of God. Oh, I've got so much I want to say here. Um, so in every stage of your life, you, you're either a learner, a discerner, or a teacher. There's, there's three things. So um, let's, let's take cooking. So if you want to become a cook, first step is you've got to become a learner. So you get a recipe, and you're going to follow that thing to a T. Like every one teaspoon of baking powder, nothing more, nothing less, right, to a T. And then you, you come to a certain stage of life where you start to, you're going to, it says one teaspoon of sugar, but you put just a little more because I think that's going to make it better, right? You start to twist and turn, I mean, you're kind of still sticking to it, but you're making your own, your own calls on some things. And then you get older and eventually you start writing your own cookbooks. You start, you start making recipes from, from scratch. And then, and then you, you send it to the publisher and everyone buys your, all the learners buy your cookbooks. And now you've, you've kept the process going in the, the world of cooking. And every area of your life, that's, that's kind of how it works. That, that's how the Bible is even set up. You got the priesthood in the Old Testament, which is, I mean, I mean the, the priesthood's, I mean, just live in Leviticus and Numbers for a little while. Everything's prescribed. Then you get to um, the kings. Uh, so the kings have to exercise wisdom on uh, when is, how are we going to defeat this army? Where are we going to ambush him? There's no rule book for this. You've got you to gotta read the signs and navigate. And, um, and then Solomon with the, the two ladies and the baby gets to discern what he's going to do there. Um, and then what do you become after you become a king? You're a king? You become a prophet, an old Old man, you've seen it all, you've done it all, and then you start to start to share knowledge. And we're at a stage in life, as young adults, where we're starting to navigate. So I'm going back to the same point, right? We're starting to navigate these, these roads, and um, the Word of God is your guide. It's, it's your guide. Your Word is a lamp to my feet, and it's a light to my path. So how are you going to navigate this world as a young adult? Um, my appeal to you as Christians would be to let the word of God be the lamp and the light to navigate a host of scenarios. So live in the word of God enough to know the principles, to know the virtues, um, to look at Jesus and know what might it look like for me to navigate this situation as the Bible has laid out um, the words of life. So let the word of God guide you like a lamp and like a light. Um, only then will your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven. Which corresponds directly to morality, right? That they may see your good works and give glory to God who is in heaven. Um, so it's a beautiful thing. God has left us with his word. Um, he has not left us without light. He has not left us to wander earth on our own. He has given us an amazing provision. Um, I asked, I was talk, I asked uh, Dr. Piper about, about it this week. 
in death. I already knew what he would say. But he said it's a the, the moral shifts are gonna go generation to generation. He said it's an amazing thing to have a rock to stand on that has stood the test of two thousand years. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. So uh, my appeal to you would be um, to love the law of God, to delight in it, to meditate on it day and night. And that's number that's number three. Number four, live in wise community. Live in wise community. If you live with fools, you'll become like a fool. You can, you can form a rut on your own, or you can do it with your buddies. You can form a buddy rut in one way or the other. So let's just go to Proverbs. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. Counselors. Um, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to it. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. See, it's a long road. Do things now that will, that will help you in your trajectory. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. So the, the book of Proverbs is very helpful. Uh, listen to advice. Seek wisdom. Don't live with the fools. Um, and the book of Proverbs is so relevant. The whole story of Proverbs is a, a young man being instructed by his dad in the path of wisdom. And it's correlated with a young man seeking lady wisdom. Right? And at the end of his journey of wisdom, he attains the Proverbs 31 woman. That's how the Proverbs um, corresponds. It's a man in search of wisdom, and it's a man who attains lady wisdom. And if the whole book of Proverbs is don't go with the seductress woman, or you'll end up ensnared and killed. It'll kill you. But pursue wisdom. Be wise. And, and there's the, the Proverbs 31 at the end. It's just amazing how the Bible is set up. But back to wise community. Uh, navigate life in wise uh, community. This is one reason I, I uh, for when I was working through the small groups for young adults, I really tried to push for uh, having some sort of intergenerational aspect to it, um, just to give us uh, some, some tools to navigate life. It doesn't always work out, but if it does, be really helpful. Um, I, I also just want to say here to have good, have good friendships. I love this quote. Consider that good friendships requires unselfishness, loyalty, sympathy, habitual consideration of another's needs. It contributes the wisdom and experience of others, common goals for moral development, emotional support in cultivating needed habits, the conscience of an alter ego to prod one's own. So live in good friendships. Don't, don't uh, be secluded um, with electronics all the time. Make it, make it a point to have good friendships because in those friendships you're cultivating 
the, the types of virtues that the Bible praises in the Sermon on the Mount and, and um, Galatians with the, the fruits of the, the Spirit. So navigate life and wise community. I would just commend you guys um, and myself to continue doing that. I uh, hope this group's a good tool um, to get some of that going. And we have a great church here with the host of wisdom. Um, so uh, there's so much good right in front of us in this sense. Fear God. Ask God. Live in the word of God. Live in wise community. And finally... This will be my last point. Be humble. This is so important. Be humble. Um, I would encourage you to listen to the end of uh, Brian Hansen's, Pastor Hansen's sermon on Sunday. He had this little um, little excerpt on, on um, pride and humility. It's really good. And a proud man is unteachable. A proud man assumes he sees the most clearly. A proud man shuns the input of, other, of others. Um, a proud person is unable to swallow the thought that he might be unwise in his thinking and, and need input of others. Um, it is too repulsive to him to be able to, to, to be shown that he's off. Uh, and that's a dangerous place to be because those ruts get deeper and deeper. So uh, be humble. Um, it's probably the worst thing we could do at age 18 to 29 <laughs> is to assume and conclude that uh, we're good and we don't need good community and um, and that that's all meant for some other foolish person out there somewhere right so commit yourself to community commit yourself to wisdom be humble in conclusion you either have your mind opened by the spirit and renewed day by day or you become progressively more and more futile in your thinking and more darkened in your uh, understanding and this lesson is just an attempt to, to call us to, um, I mean, the Bible, this, this is basically an unpacking of Psalm 1, the more I thought of this. Um, this whole lesson is basically Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Those are lifestyle things. Rather, his delight is on the law of the Lord. He loves it. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And as a result, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. That's amazing. In contrast, the wicked are not like that. They are like chaff. The wind drives it away. Drives them away. Um, therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment. The sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. So I think this whole lesson is just an unpacking of that. And that's a preface to the whole book of the Psalms. And so my, my encouragement is, uh, when we talk about moral formation, is... Morals aren't formed in a day. They're formed throughout your life. And I want to call us that there's a beautiful path that the Bible paves out for us. And, uh, and just to encourage us, let's together head in that direction. Having our minds renewed, um, 
seeking the wisdom of God. The promises are amazing um, for us and for the people we interact with in our lives. Yeah. So let me pray, and then uh, the worship team's going to sing, right? Father, I love your word. I love how it um, how it calls us to um, to lives of pursuing you in wisdom. And I ask that you would stir us now to um, to put off the old self, to put on the new self, to be renewed in our mind day by day. I ask that you would give us grace for this, that you would give us the spirit, that you would open up our minds and our hearts to receive your word and to receive your ways. If it were not for your spirit, we would, we would hate your ways and we would love the flesh. And I just ask that you would continually transform us and that uh, for the young adults in this church, that you would use this ministry, that you would use the preaching, that you would use the Sunday school, that you would use our friendships, that you would use all these things to continually transform us into your image. And as a result, I ask that you would free um, us from patterns of sin in our life, that you would give us deliverance from ruts that have been um, carved out for years, mm-hmm. if that's going on. Um, I ask that you would grant forgiveness for our sins and that you would give us the grace to get out of some of these ruts. I have no clue what they are, Lord, but you know every single one. And I'm just interceding and begging you that you would show them to us and that you would provide the grace um, to get out and to pursue righteousness, to pursue holiness um, as a fruit of all the gospel promises and all the gospel blessings. And um, I ask that you would that you would provide young adults with someone to come along them if that's where they're at, some pastor or some small group leader or some friend to help them to navigate the path out of some really deep um, sins. And Lord, I ask that as we pursue holiness and righteousness, that you would bless us, that we would sense assurance of salvation and sense um, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, and sense all the all the blessings that are purchased at the cross, um, in line with a pursuit of holiness. So I ask all this in your name, Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Young Adult Ministry at Bethlehem Baptist Church, North Campus in Moundsview, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without express written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at bethlehem.church slash young adults.